This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, before we get into today's content, I got to correct the record on something. So I tell you guys all the time, if I make a mistake, I'm okay admitting that I've made a mistake. Well, on last week's episode, I mentioned getting sent a video by Jonathan West over at the Becoming Husband podcast. Well, it's not the Becoming Husband podcast. So if you went searching for the Becoming Husband podcast or Becoming Husband on Google, I have no idea what you found because it's the Being Husband podcast, the being, B-E-I-N-G, husband podcast. So I'd like to apologize to Jonathan for not getting that right. So for those of you that are looking for a new podcast to, to get in or some new content or something like that, that is the one that I would like to suggest to you guys, the being husband podcast. So there we go. We have corrected the record, but now let's get into this podcast for today and the title, I promise we're going to back our way into that title, but I want to talk about something that I did here recently that was an amazing thing that happened, and it's amazing in a lot of different ways, and I hope I can really elucidate that for you guys. But um, just a couple of weeks ago, I went on an actual backpacking trip in Colorado, and I say actual backpacking trip. I basically mean I've been camping before. Uh, I've even gone with this men's ministry, which I won't name because I I don't want to disparage them, but uh, they went on what they thought was a backpacking trip and they thought it was this big kind of hard trekking type of trip, which it didn't actually end up being that. But this is a group of guys that I hang out with on Sunday nights. It's the group I talk about all the time uh, that we do jujitsu together and we read books and, and do that kind of stuff. It was this group of guys. So this group for some time has been going on these backpacking trips, mainly in Colorado. And so the thing is, is I hadn't been invited to go on one of these yet. And so there's not really like this clear idea of of who goes and who doesn't go or kind of what that whole thing looks like. But I've been around these guys for several years now, but this was the first time that I was invited on the trip. And so it was just an exciting thing because I was like, yeah, I really want to want to do something like that. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things I've talked about here on this podcast before I grew up not doing a lot of the things that I was interested in, right? I I played a lot of sports and that's what I did, but I was really interested in like camping and hiking and hunting and, you know, trekking and kind of all that outdoorsy stuff, but no one in my family really was, right? My, my dad worked a lot um, and he wasn't really into the whole outdoorsy stuff. You know, we did a little fishing when I was like, you know, four or five years old, but that just wasn't something that we did. It was mainly our, our lives revolved around, you know, my sister being in band and me being in all kinds of sports. And so that's kind of what we did. That was kind of the, the long and short of what we did there. But I've never really done a full on backpacking trip where you're literally carrying everything that you need on your back, right? And so that was the thing is pre-trip, I was like, okay, I I had a lot of thoughts kind of pre-trip because I knew this was going to be, you know, six, seven or eight guys and all those types of things. And I was pretty much the only one that hadn't been on something specifically like this before. And so I I had a bunch of kind of pre-trip thoughts. And and I guess some of those were like, okay, just be cool. Just, you know, if, if you got 
a question, just ask a question. Don't be the guy that shows up at the trip having been all prideful and not asked any questions about what to do beforehand, and then you show up unprepared, right? And that was one thing that I did is I just asked a lot of questions. I asked about, you know, what should be in the pack, what shouldn't be in the pack, what kind of pack should I have, uh, you know, what should I try to overpack, what should I try to underpack, all those types of things. Um, and one thing that we did is we all kind of got together several weeks before the trip, and we started to kind of talk about, okay, where are we going to go? Because there's a lot of different places that you can go in Colorado. This year, it was especially difficult for planning just because Colorado and really that entire area of the country got way more snow than uh, they had in previous years. And so even in July, there was still a ton of snow in a lot of the areas that we were looking to hike. And so we ended up deciding as a group that we were going to go to Lake Patricia in Colorado. And so I don't know exactly sure where that is. I think it's equal distances away from Crested Butte and Buena Vista and Breckenridge. And so it's just kind of out there, literally in the middle of nowhere, but very, very scenic. Obviously, if you guys Google Lake Patricia, Colorado, you can kind of see what we're talking about. And so we were discussing the trip and we had a couple of different options and we kind of landed on that one. And, you know, for me, I'm like, hey, this is the first trip I've been on with this group of guys. Like, I don't want to dictate terms. I don't want to say anything. I just want to kind of be along for the ride and kind of learn what they do because they've been doing this for a really long time. But one thing I did kind of pipe up and say from the beginning is, guys, I'm obviously okay with difficult. Like, I, like I'm in good shape. I'm okay with difficult. I'd, I'd prefer to go the difficult route. But sketchy is just not really my thing. Right. So so I, I'm decently adventurous, but not not if there's this real chance that, you know, hey, it might not work out. Right. You know that you might go through this pass and you might not come out on the other end. And so those were some of the pre-trip thoughts. But then one of the pre-trip thoughts that I had is, okay, just don't get hurt, Kyle, on your way to doing this trip. Just don't get hurt. Like you don't want to be guy that the guy that's hobbling around beforehand or have to cancel because you got hurt last minute. And literally like a week before we leave for this trip, I tear every single ligament in my thumb. Like I'm sitting here actually the day after I receive surgery on multiple torn ligaments, torn muscles, bone bruises, all this kind of nonsense. And so I was like, okay, not the worst injury you could get before a backpacking trip because I mean, we're just walking, right? No big deal. Like not having one of the use of one of your hands is not really going to be that big a deal. So for any of you guys that have been really off trail hiking, you kind of know where this is going, but that was kind of the pre-trip thoughts. And then we actually had the actual trip. So there were uh, six of us that were going initially. We had a couple of guys that met with us later. We drove all the way through to Amarillo from Oklahoma City, picked up another guy and then headed on up to Denver. Uh, So we were in Denver for a day so we could kind of get acclimated to a little bit of elevation. And then the day after that, we actually drove to the trailhead uh, so that we could start our hike and again, just kind of get used to the elevation. Now, again, remember me saying I'm okay with difficult, just not sketchy. Well, I was driving on this trip because I had one of uh, I had a four wheel drive truck and you know, very long bed and we could get a lot of stuff in there with the bed cover and everything like that. So it was, it was really a convenient vehicle out there except for gas mileage. But I hadn't even experienced a road like the road it took to get to the trailhead before. Cause, cause typically when my wife and I have gone hiking or when I've gone with other people, you just drive a paved road up the side of the mountain. And then finally you see basically a gravel parking lot and that's where you pull off and boom, you're at the trailhead. Well, we get off on this road and it is a bumpy, rocky road on the side of the mountain. And we get there probably at like 10, 11 o'clock at night. So it's pitch black and I've got tinted windows. And so let's just say it was about a 30 minute drive on this bumpy, rocky road on the side of the mountain with no guardrail just to get to the trailhead, right? 
And so it wasn't like I even said anything in the truck, but everyone just got real quiet and just kind of let me concentrate on getting up there because I was leading the other vehicle up there. And, you know, again, it's, I've never done this type of thing before, but hey, it's a new experience. Just don't be dumb. Take it easy and get up there. So we got up there, no problem. But I will say it was like, you know, I just kind of thanked my lucky stars when I got up there because there were a lot of blind turns and, you know, the back, the back end of the truck skidded out a couple of times. And so it was just kind of an interesting thing there, but we get to the trailhead, we camp there that night. And then the next day we get all our stuff packed, ready to go. And we get our packs on and it's hiking time. Right. And, you know, this is a very experienced group of guys. So if they told me to leave something in the truck, I left in the truck, didn't even question. And then we start hiking up. Right. So we're expecting the hike in to be, you know, maybe four hours or so. Well, about five minutes into the hike, my glutes are absolutely on fire. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? It's as if the only part of my body that was working at all while I was walking were these little slivers on either side of my rear end. And I'm like, okay, we're five minutes into this thing and we're, it's going to be four hours or more getting to where we're wanting to go. This is a problem, right? But again, I don't, I don't want to be the guy that's like slowing the group down or any of that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, I can, I can just deal with this. I'm just going to stretch out my hips a little bit. And, but the first time we stopped after about 20 or 25 minutes of walking, just to make sure everyone got water and everybody was kind of relaxing. Um, I had the other guys start adjusting my pack for me. I kind of told them like, Hey, I'm feeling a lot of pressure here. You know, I'm not really sure. It's the first time I've had a pack on my back with weight before. Right. And it's kind of hard for me to adjust the pack by myself because I only have the one hand. And when you have a, you know, 40, 45 pound pack on your back, it's kind of hard to get it on and off. And so I'm sitting there and I have these two guys, uh, Russ, or sorry, I had a guy named Rhett and a guy named Rocky are kind of making adjustments to my pack while it's on me. And Russ, one of the guys that's with us, um, he's the guy that kind of is the ringleader of our Sunday night group. He just kind of looks at me and goes, you're hating this, huh? And he didn't mean the trip. He didn't mean that. He meant you're hating having a bunch of other people help you. And then I kind of responded to him. I was like, yeah, well, I don't really like the idea of someone else wiping my butt for me. And he just kind of shakes his head and goes, Kyle, you can't, you can't be that prideful about it. And it's just like, you know, that was kind of my first lesson to where it's just like, I didn't want anybody's help. I just wanted to get up there. You know, I wanted to be tough with the whole deal. And you know, that's the thing is in that moment, I just need to lean on somebody else because I just didn't know what was happening. So what they did is they adjusted my pack. You know, they got some of the weight uh, kind of lower. I had a lot of heavier stuff on the top of the pack. You need more heavy stuff on the bottom. You need the heavy stuff to be kind of close to your back as opposed to the outside of the pack. Made some adjustments and then we're all good to go. So we hike for a couple hours. We get to this uh, camp area and there's a little, uh, there's a stream. And as you know, at this time in Colorado, a lot of the streams are basically just rushing. They're like unbelievably fast and because of all the snow melt. And so we take some time there. We get some lunch. We cross that, which is a little bit sketchy because I had to use a pole in my hand that I couldn't really hold anything. We get across, we're good to go. And then we get into some hiking. And the thing about where we're going, where we're trying to find Lake Patricia is there's not a trail to Lake Patricia. Again, if you look it up on Google, which I encourage you to do so, you can't really see anything. It is just, I mean, you are literally out in the middle of nowhere. And so we had Rhett and Russ, they were kind of going back and forth, figuring out the navigation for the thing. And, you know, I'm navigation's not my world. And so I just basically just kept walking wherever they were walking. And so at one point we kind of realized that, you know, we kind of went a little bit too far on the actual trail before we got off the trail, because now we're in some really, really treacherous territory. So we're basically, if I can, you know, basically describe this to you to where you can almost feel like you're there, I'll do my best. 
we're on the side of this mountain and it's fairly steep and the entirety of the side of the mountain that we're hiking on is boulders, right? And so boulders as small as, you know, your foot and then boulders that are, you know, the size of a, of a bus, you know, those, those types of things. Like it's just boulders like that. And there's snow in different areas. And again, in this area, you had to be very careful with snow because the snow could be, you know, nice and packed and that you can walk on top of. And then there was other snow patches to where if you stepped wrong, you might be going 10 feet through the snow and you might get stuck there or you might end up in the river, right? You might end up in the stream. It was one of those types of situations. And so we're hiking off trail for several hours on this, this really, really sketchy type of, uh, terrain. And, and luckily Shelby, my boy that was uh, on on this trip with us, he decided he was only going to trek with one, one pole. And it kind of worked out great. Cause I didn't bring poles. Cause I was like, I don't need trekking poles, which, you know, luckily he had an extra one. So he let me have his, but at the angle we were at on the mountain, the pole I really, or the hand I really needed my pulling was my left hand, but my left hand is where I, my thumb was all destroyed. And I was just doing my best not to touch it. Right. And so we're hiking for, for a long time, for hours and hours, not really making a lot of ground. And we don't exactly know if we're going the right direction. We, we, we pretty much think we're going in decently in the right direction, but it's, it's treacherous territory and we've got a lot of weight on our backs. And so we get to a point where we rest. I don't even know why we rested, but we get to a point where we rest and I take my backpack off and all of a sudden I experience something that I've never experienced in my entire life. I'm starting to get altitude sickness. And for any of you guys that have experienced altitude sickness before, it can be a little scary and it can come on quick and it's a little bit difficult to figure out what exactly you need to do. And so my heart and lungs are fine, right? I I don't feel like my heart or lungs were ever in any real trouble up there. I felt like, you know, I had acclimated fine. I was in good shape before I got there, but I'm starting to get really, really lightheaded. I'm starting to get really nauseous and I've got a million things running through my head. But the, one of the things I had running through my head is, man, I can't slow this group down. This is an experienced group of guys. They've all been through this before, but holy crap, what am I going to do? And, and for any of the guys that were on the trip that are listening to this, it was a little bit worse than I even let on. Cause I was trying to, you know, keep it together. But it, you know, I had all these thoughts running through my head. Like, man, I, I never thought it would be my body that would give out on a trip like this. Like of all the things that I've worked really, really hard on, uh, it would be my body and making sure that my body's ready for a trip like this. Right. You know, I did no different training leading up to this. It's just, Hey, you live in a, you know, a lifestyle where you're in shape and, and then you're good to go. Right. But then I started getting really sick. I started feeling like, okay, I'm about to pass out. Uh, and we are miles and miles away, hours and hours away from SOS help at this point. There's not really a place where a helicopter can land. I mean, we're, we're literally out in the middle of nowhere, right? And I have this thought and it just rushed through my head really quick, but it kind of put a lot of things into perspective. And that thought was, you can't die on this mountain. And now guys, I don't mean to be hyperbolic, but it was just a thought that was going through my head at the time. I'm just kind of being honest with you. Right. Cause, cause all I could think of is if I pass out right now, what is, what exactly are they going to do? Like it was hard enough to get to wherever the heck we were at that exact moment, much less having to get somebody out of there that, you know, is passed out cold. Right. And it was one of those situations where the previous year, there was a guy that kind of got into some, some, you know, big altitude sickness trouble. And it happened in the middle of the night. It was just kind of a bad deal. And I was like, man, I, I can't be the latest version of that. 
But I don't know about you guys, and it doesn't happen to me. I don't. I can't actually identify another time where I felt like that's happened to me before, where you almost have your life flash before your eyes. You know, if somebody like pulls over into your lane in the highway because they weren't weren't looking, and you have to like veer off the highway real quick, it's like in that split second you're like, oh shoot, that could have been it. That could have been curtains for me. And you start thinking about things. You're like, oh my gosh, if something happens to me, what's what's Kelsey gonna do? What's my wife gonna do? Well, well, what's my dog going to do? He, he's, he's expecting dad to come home. Like, you know, what are they going to do at work? What about the cases I've got open? What about, you know, what about my friends? You know, you start thinking that, but it's, it doesn't, it doesn't become like an internal dialogue because it's just a split second. But it's, it's interesting whenever you find yourself in those moments where you have to kind of consider where you're at in the world, right? And again, all we're doing is hiking, but I'm starting to get sick and I'm feeling like I'm about to be in some real trouble, Right. But I felt like that was an, a really unique opportunity for me to kind of hover above my life for a second and think to myself, man, am I okay with this? Am I okay with, with, if this were the it, if this were the, if this were the end right here, but I kind of snap out of that. Right. And again, I even acknowledge that sitting here in the safety of my own studio at home right now, like I acknowledge that that was maybe a little bit, a little bit dramatic of me to think that, but at the time I, the, the way I was feeling, it was, it was terrible. It was absolutely awful. But the group started to kind of have a discussion because there was another guy in the group that, that was a little bit, he was more exhausted than he was sick. I was feeling sick and it's like, okay, we, we, we kind of stopped for a second to really have a discussion. Like, Hey, do we need to get me down off this mountain? Do we need to get me out of elevation? Do we need to get me to recover? Do we keep going? Uh, you know, we kind of <laughs> got into a Jocko conversation there for a little bit to where it's just like, hey, do does one guy, does the leader, you know, who's, who in this instance would be Russ, he's kind of the leader of this group. Does he just kind of make a call and, and we go with that? But then after about five to 10 minutes of talking where I'm just sitting there, you know, trying, I mean, eating hot tamales, trying to recover, just sucking down water, trying to see if I can get some sort of recovery. Uh, one of the guys in our group, his name's Brandon, but we just call him beard because he, he has a beard that's down past his belly button. He just goes, Hey, let's just walk about 15 more minutes. Let's see how we're all feeling. And then we'll make our decision from there. And at that point, I was, I was tired of being the center of conversation. I, I felt embarrassed that I had even started getting sick. I'm getting frustrated, even though I guess like one in eight people experience altitude sickness. I'm just frustrated at this point. I'm like, okay, let's get this damn pack back on my back and let's, you know, let's just walk and see how it goes. And the great thing was, is we went over even like considerably more of the exact same type of terrain, this very treacherous terrain, but about two or two and a half hours after we had had that discussion, we actually arrive at Lake Patricia, right? So I gut it out. I kind of make it through. I start feeling a little bit better as we keep moving, but it took us again. We, we thought it was going to maybe take us about four hours to get to our destination. It ended up taking us close to eight close to eight hours to get to our destination. And for some of you guys, you've done some way more extreme stuff before. Maybe you've done it, you know, at altitude with snow and different things. But again, this is all new to me. This, this is like when you, whenever you pick up a new sport, it's like you're an American, but then you go to a different country and someone hands you a cricket bat. I don't even know if it's called a bat, but it's just like, it's a whole new world. It's a whole new bevy of experiences, but we get there and it's just amazing. I mean, I mean, it's this lake that, I mean, there's not a whole lot of people that have been up here because there, there's not a clear way to get there. You can't take a helicopter there. Like you got to walk there and there's not really a good path. We ended up taking one of the more decent paths to get there, but it's this secluded lake on the side of the mountain. 
There is just trees everywhere. It's just serene. Uh, we can see uh, Mount Holy Cross. So that's kind of one of the closest mountains to where we were was Mount Holy Cross. And it was just absolutely amazing. And then we start looking around, getting our camp set up, right? And, you know, they automatically go into go mode, right? You know, we just had this big, long trip. We're all, we're all happy to be there. But it's like, hey, we got to get camp set up for that night. And so we got guys that are getting water and we got guys that are, you know, setting up tents and, you know, cl- you know, leveling out the grounds for below the tent and stuff like that. And it hit me all at once, which obviously if I'd been thinking through this even before then that you thought it would have hit me before then, but all at once it hit me that I was surrounded by people that were better at me than ever, than anything considering this trip. Right? I don't know that I said that perfectly, but like all these guys are better at the trip related stuff than I was. In just about every single way, they were just better. They were better prepared. They were more experienced and it was just kind of a cool opportunity, but I will say it kind of checked my pride a little bit because the thing is, is before this trip, I didn't have a lot of the right gear. So I had to buy some and I also had to borrow quite a bit. I didn't know what to pack. All these guys knew exactly what to pack. They just need to grab it out of whatever cubby hole they stuck it in at their house, right? I also didn't know how to pack. How exactly do we pack my pack? I mean, I already said like five minutes into the trip, I was having problems with my pack because I didn't pack it right, right? I read the blogs, I did the things and just didn't quite work out. You know, I I didn't know how to wear my pack, right? That's such a simple thing. I didn't even bring trekking poles because I thought, hey, this is just walking, no big deal. I've been on hard walks before. I also have limited kind of camping setup knowledge because again, I, I didn't grow up with a family that camps. So I'm trying to learn all this stuff on my own. But a lot of the camping that I've done has been fairly controlled camping. And also I'm almost useless as it pertains to navigation, right? I, I, I love to use my GPS when I'm going places, even in the city where I'm at, because I like to get there efficiently. And it's just kind of one of those things that navigation just doesn't come naturally to me. I have decent, you know, natural sense of direction, but all the guys that I'm with are very experienced at all these things. And so they just get to work. And so I just wanted to kind of fall in line. Right. And so, uh, the, the rest of the trip was, was awesome. I mean, we spent two nights there and I'll say this, you know, I wasn't completely out of the woods when it came to being sick. I, I was nauseous a lot while I was up there and, uh, just the altitude really was starting to get to me. It was getting to some of the other guys as well. Uh, but luckily no one got sick. No one got like really, really sick. Right. Um, but we really, really enjoyed ourselves. And so we did a couple of day hikes. We tried to, you know, discover pass around to the other side of the lake. There's a waterfall right by the lake. And so we actually hiked up to the waterfall and a bunch of us actually stripped down into our underwear and we got in the lake and one guy took the temperature of the water and it was like 40 degrees. Then we went to the other side of the lake and we found these like pools where, you know, basically you could kind of get in and soak in the water for a little bit. When I say a little bit, I mean a little bit. I think we had one guy that stayed in there for two minutes uh, straight and that was about as much as he could go. Uh, But it really was an awesome trip. We break down camp. Well, we hike back out. You know, I think it took us two and a half, three hours to get out, even though it took us almost eight hours to get in. You know, we spent some time. uh, We took our time kind of getting back. We visited some people in Salida, had a good time, played some Frisbee golf. But we eventually made our way back and uh, we all made our way back to Oklahoma City. But one thing that I want to do, and and guys, is just kind of how my brain works now. Anytime I have an experience, especially when it's a new experience and even more especially when it's an especially difficult experience. I think about ways that this could be of use to you guys, to you guys that are dedicated to this podcast and the content that we bring to you is what are some life lessons that I can take away from this type of trip? And I just got to say, 
that when I was thinking through my trip, which I've had a few weeks to kind of chew on it and kind of chew on, you know, how I did, how the group did, how much fun it was, things that I would have done differently, all that kind of stuff. I realized that there were a few lessons that I learned that specifically kind of come from my brain, but there are also lessons from the other five guys that I actually went on this trip with that I would get from them individually. And so I'm going to kind of describe those in detail as to the exact lessons that I learned from these individuals. So one of the guys, his names is Rocky. And so Rocky is that type of guy where he is just one of the most amenable and accommodating people possible. Like th- this guy, I've never really seen him angry. Uh, and he's an incredible athlete. He's incredibly strong. And he's kind of got the reputation for being the pack mule on the trip. So he's, he's the one that'll take the extra weight and he's not going to complain. He's just going to kind of make it happen. But we're on our way down the mountain and we're kind of walking and kind of doing our thing. And, you know, I just, you know, turned to him. I said, Rocky, I really appreciate your help on the way up the mountain. I hope you, you know, I thank you so much for kind of helping me adjust my pack. You know, when we got up to the top and I started getting sick, like, thanks for, you know, kind of checking in on me. Thanks for the hot tamales, you know, you just stuff like that. Just, hey, man, thank, thanks for being a good friend while we're up there. And he said something in his kind of a matter of fact way, which is, hey, man, if one person isn't having fun, no one's having fun. And I was like, I don't always think that way, but that's Rocky. He's that type of guy, literally give you the shirt off of his back type of guy, and he'll carry the entire load for you. He's, he's just one of those dudes, right? But that's his mindset, is if somebody on the trip's not doing well, he's going to start focusing on that person. And at different points on the trip, there were different people that were having trouble. On the way down, we had one guy that was getting really, really tired, and one guy's knee started giving out. And so Rocky's the guy that's like, Hey, we need to start getting the weight off of them and we need to take more breaks and that kind of thing. That's just his natural MO. Whereas I'm more of the, Hey, let's perform, let's perform, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like, let's try to, you know, beat our previous record or that type of thing. That's just my mindset. That's my natural way of thinking. His natural way is, Hey man, if one person's struggling, the group's not going to have a good time. And so I thought that was a good reminder that I got from Rocky. So the next lesson I learned was from Brandon, which again, we just call beard. And his was, was simple enough, and it, it's profound coming from a guy who probably intellectually was the smartest guy on the trip, and it's, Kyle, you can never learn enough. And so this guy, he is, uh, he tries to be an expert at just about everything, right? That's just his personality. He's an engineer. He's trying to constantly problem solve and figure things out. But one of his things, that he's very specific about his pack, and he's always wanting to learn additional things to where he can get more utility out of what's in his pack while dropping weight. And for the, those of you out there that have done real backpacking, you understand that if you can lose a pound off your pack and get a little bit of utility in the process, that's gold. That's literally worth his weight in gold. And so I saw him spending a lot of time looking at his pack, looking what what other people had packed and kind of thinking in terms of, okay, how could I have made this better? And he's done this trip a whole lot. And he's just basically says, hey, Kyle, every year that I come on this trip, I learn something new. There's something I have to go home and research. There's something I have to go home and buy. There's something I have to go home and replace. Because every year I think to myself, okay, this could have been better. or This could have been better. And so his big lesson was you can never learn enough. And then we had another guy on the trip. His name was Rhett. And so Rhett was the guy that we picked up down, down in Amarillo and worked our way over. And the thing about Rhett is if you look at Rhett, you wouldn't think to yourself, this, this guy would be great on the side of a mountain. Like he just doesn't, he doesn't overwhelm you with his physical presence, but his kind of reputation on these trips is he's a great navigator and he's also incredibly durable. 
right? So he's not going to be the guy that sprints up the mountain and beats everybody, but he can keep a good pace. And it's almost like he was built for mountaineering, you know, mentally and physically. But the thing I, I learned from Rhett is this, is when you're the expert, be the expert. And so this is kind of the context that we were kind of going through. So I could tell on the way up the mountain, again, I, I want to try to stay quiet on this trip, right? I just want to kind of learn uh, the nuances of this type of group on this type of a trip. But I could tell that Rhett was concerned about the way that we were going on the way up the mountain. He was concerned about how long we were staying on the trail. He was concerned about the direction. He was concerned about certain paths that we were going, but we just kind of kept going in those different directions. And at one point I kind of come up to him and I say, Hey, are, are, do you think it's good that we're going this way? Do you think it's right? Like, you know, just kind of talk to me. And he was just like, man, I just, I don't think so, but you know, I'm not for sure. And that type of thing. But then I just kind of reminded him, I said, Hey, I didn't know you before this trip. He was the only guy I didn't know before this trip happened. And I said, everyone says you're the nav guy, but you're not speaking up. So we're just kind of going this direction because one guy says to go this direction. And then, you know, we kind of get to this pass and it's like, well, what if we go this way? And we're just trying to figure it out again. No one knows exactly how to get there, but that was the situation that we were in. And Rhett had a better sense of what we should do than anybody, which doesn't mean he would have been infallible, but it did mean that he should have spoke up more. And once we got to camp, you know, he and I talked about that a little bit more. And he's like, Kyle, you know what? You're right. I, I should have spoke up at different points and maybe it could have saved us a couple hours. Maybe it could have, you know, kept, kept you from being up on altitude, uh, you know, for that long, maybe you wouldn't have gotten sick, blah, 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 which you know, I said, dude, <laughs> I mean, with the way that it was going, I was probably going to hit that wall uh, anyway. So that's certainly not your fault, but that was the thing that I learned from him. And it was just kind of one of those things where in those moments, he just didn't have that confidence that he felt like he needed in order to pipe up, or maybe he was second guessing himself. And, and that was an opportunity for me to kind of encourage him and say, man, you've already proved that you're, you're probably the superior navigator of this group. You've got the skills, you've got the experience. So just, just pipe up. So that's the thing I learned from Rhett is, Hey man, when you're the expert, be the expert, don't feel the need to kind of, you know, just go with the flow, kind of, you know, direct the flow yourself. And then we get to Russ. So again, I, I kind of say Russ is kind of the guy. He's our, our main jujitsu teacher on Sunday nights. And he's kind of the main, the main guy on these trips, kind of putting them together and coordinating them and those types of things. And the big thing that I learned from Russ on this trip is pride will kill you. Pride will absolutely kill you. So we go back to, you know, 20 minutes into the hike, whenever they're making adjustments in my pack, Rocky and Red are both making adjustments to my pack. And Russ just looks at me and says, you hate this, don't you? And the hate was coming from a sense of pride that I shouldn't have these other men helping me with my pack. I should have known what I was doing. I should have been better prepared. And he's just like, man, that's, that's not what this trip's about. You can't be the prideful guy that doesn't look for help. Right. And then we get to the kind of Jocko come to Jesus conversation, right? When we're all trying to decide, do we come off this mountain or do we keep pressing on? There wasn't any pride in that conversation. There wasn't any, you know, uh, bloviating or gusto or machismo in that conversation. It was a very kind of calm conversation. And it was informed by what had happened the previous year. The previous year, we had another guy that went, and I wasn't on this trip, but apparently he started getting altitude sickness, but he wasn't really telling anybody. And every time someone would check in on him because they kind of said, you know, wasn't looking very good or something like that. He's like, no, I'm fine. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. But apparently he was falling apart. Like he was, he was not doing well. 
so what happened is they get to wherever they were getting to the first night. They set up camp and around two or three in the morning, this guy starts getting real altitude sickness. He's throwing up all over the place. And so in the middle of the night, they're trying to figure out what exactly do we do with them. And the plan, uh, from what I can remember them telling me was, hey, let's just wait until the sun comes up. Let's wait until morning. Let's see if this, you know, this nausea passes or whatever. And let's just kind of figure it out. Well, apparently this guy just kept throwing up all the way throughout the night. It became readily apparent when the sun came up is we've got to get this guy off the mountain right now. And so they're all scrambling around. They're taking their tents down. They're taking their, their camps down. Uh, they take everything that's in his pack. They spread it up into everybody else's pack. Someone else carries his backpack. And then they just start trekking down the mountain with this guy, basically puking all over himself, puking all over the place. They finally get him off the mountain. I think it was like a two hour, you know, ambulance ride to the hospital where he's puking the entire time. And then he's now he's in a hospital in Colorado. Right. And he's in trouble. I mean, he, the guy got out just fine. You know, he's back. He's healthy. He's all those types of things. But again, pride, pride could have really hurt this guy. Pride could have killed him. I mean, what what if, I mean, people die of altitude sickness, usually not at altitudes like that, but it can get really dangerous, especially when you're that far off trail. And so the interesting thing there was, is that informed the discussion that we were having when I was a little bit, and again, it, when I was sitting there, you know, trying not to get sick. Right. And so that's the thing is I hate even describing it that way. Right. Because it's just like, oh man, you shouldn't have been the guy that got sick. You should have, you know, got the pills that would have helped with that or something like that. But that's the thing is pride will kill you at that moment. It was good that I, you know, said, Hey, Shelby brother, I'm, I'm feeling really sick right now. Like I can't put my pack on right now. I I think we need to, you know, have a little discussion about what we're going to do from here. Right. And so that's the big thing that I learned from Russ is pride will kill you. And then the last guy that we had is Shelby. And he said something really cool. It was on our last night in camp when we were up on Lake Patricia. Um, And he said, Kyle, you earned your trident this trip. And so if you understand that reference, obviously, if you become a Navy SEAL, you get your SEAL trident, right? And so that's a that's a very, you know, grand thing. It's one a thing that very few people in the world actually accomplish. And so he obviously wasn't saying that like, hey, this was just like buds. This was just like, you know, all these other different trainings. He wasn't saying it like that. But I kind of got the sense that it's almost like I've been a part of this group for a long time, but now there's almost this different level of of what's going on inside that group because not everybody's invited every year on this trip, right? This isn't, you know, one of those things where it's just come one, come all, you know what I mean? And to be honest, like we've got friends that are part of Sunday nights and kind of part of our crew that physically, I don't think they could have made this trip happen. Like uh, mentally, I don't think they could have made this trip happen. And that's nothing against them. It's just, this was a different kind of trip, right? We were sitting there all talking and, you know, we kind of missed our wives back home or, our, you know, or whatever. And it's just like, man, none of us have wives that could have, could have made it there. Like I would have loved to, you know, when I'm sitting up on a rock, looking out over Lake Patricia for my wife to be sitting right there next to me, but there's not a chance in hell that she would have made it up there. There's just no way. It's just a different kind of trip. And for him to say that, this is a guy that I, I really respect. I respect his opinion. I respect his intellect. And for him to say, you know, you earned your trident, and that made me feel good because I've, I've known this guy. I remember the day I met him. I met him uh, the uh, the night of UFC 200 because that's when I met a lot of these guys. And 
This is just a really, really tough dude. He's he's a tough guy mentally. He's a tough guy physically, and he and I have have you know benefited a lot from each other's friendship. And so to hear him say something like, "Hey, man, you earned your trident," that was a cool thing to hear. And this is a guy, you know, he spent some time thinking about, okay, if the guys on this trip were a SEAL team, like who would be you know the automatic rifleman, who would be the breacher, who would be the radio man, the team leader. And so it was kind of cool. We got to kind of discuss like who we thought everyone on the trip would be. And so again, we're we're all so far from actually being SEALs, and you know we're you know guys that are probably 10 years older than the than the oldest seal or something like that and so it was just kind of interesting to have that conversation with him and so those were again the lessons i learned from the guys it's if if one person isn't having fun no one's having fun thanks to rocky for that thanks to beard for you can never learn enough thanks to Rhett for when you're the expert be the expert thanks to Russ for pride will kill you and, and shelby you earned your trident right so there are those moments in life where you know it may not be buds it may not be something like that but it's something really really difficult that all you have to do is just keep your Keep, keep working hard and keep your nose to the grindstone and make it out. But the quick life lessons that even I learned on this trip, there are three that I wanted to kind of pull out. The first one is seek out opportunities to be humbled, right? I've talked about this uh, a lot on this podcast, which is I was getting humbled left and right. Everybody knew more than me. People were performing better than me. People knew more than I did. People just had more experience, right? Some of it was life experience, and that's just something that I'll gain along with time. And other stuff is just they've had interests in these areas that I haven't up to that point. But that shouldn't be any reason for you to not seek out those opportunities. You should constantly seek out opportunities like that. You should constantly seek out opportunities to do things that might humble you. And that's difficult for a lot of us guys. We get to this certain age where we've got certain things in our lives dialed in, right? We've got our work dialed in, you know, we kind of make what we make and, and we, we close the deals that we close and we kind of get into that groove, right? We have the, 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 the hobbies that we like to do, right? You know, we play golf once a week and that's kind of our exercise for the week. And we kind of do that thing. We go to the gym and we just do the same stuff over and over. We're not really trying to do more weight. We're not trying to do anything more explosive. We just kind of get into our groove. And part of the reason why we like being in that groove is because we don't want to be humbled because when you put extra weight on the bar, more weight than you normally do, there's a chance you're not going to get the weight up. You know, if you do a new sport, and, and this is kind of my bugaboo with a lot of guys that won't come and try jujitsu and won't try and do things like that, is it's just kind of like, you know, they don't want to get humbled. They don't want to be found out for not knowing what they're doing, right? And it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, it's hard for a man to admit that he doesn't know what he's doing. And it sucks whenever you get humbled, but you should seek out opportunities to be humbled. And I certainly was on this trip. The second thing that I learned is, you know, do hard things, reap big rewards. Because that's the thing, guys, is again, if you look up pictures of Lake Patricia, it is way more gorgeous in person than you can even imagine, even when you're looking at professional photography, right? I mean, getting into those waterfalls and like, I mean, just you had to earn that. Because guys, you could have had a great time at that trip and you could have not been as high of altitude, not has as hard of a hike, you know, not as treacherous or those types of things. But I would assume the payoff wouldn't be the same. I mean, there's plenty of gorgeous places in the United States that you can just see from the comfort of your in the driver's seat or your car, right? But this was a really, really, really hard thing, which I'm, I'm attracted to accomplishing those difficult things, especially if they really tax you physically and mentally. But the thing about it was, is we didn't just do this really, really hard thing. And then we just got up there and it's like a field, right? With wheat or something like that. This was a really difficult thing. And there was a payoff in the end. So do hard things, reap big rewards. And the last thing, guys, is something that I've said a lot, and I'm, I'm going to keep saying it, and this is my encouragement to you guys, is men prefer to accomplish things shoulder to shoulder. 
Again, I say this all the time that most men's ministries are just women's ministries for men. They take the women's ministry model of get people in a circle and have them talk to each other about their feelings and and their days and those types of things. And they just assume we're going to do the same thing with men's ministry. Let's just put these guys in a circle that have accomplished nothing, that haven't overcome anything as a unit, as a group, and we're just going to have them talk and organically it's going to sprout and make this big, beautiful thing. It doesn't normally work out that way. In fact, I would probably argue that it never works out that way. Again, men like to accomplish things shoulder to shoulder. Men like to have the conversation after they've won or lost the battle, after they've won or lost the game, after they've done something. Think of the hunter-gatherer cultures, right? They, they didn't do a whole bunch of chitty-chatty before the hunt or while they were on their hunt. It was after they had taken down the mammoth, after they had taken down the bison, right? That's whenever they got to celebrate and, and bust each other's balls and, and you know, kind of talk in that circle. They earned the circle. And so guys, whatever group you're in, whether it's the police force or whether you're in the military right now, I know we got military listening to this and we certainly appreciate you guys. You know, whether it's uh, your, your men's group at church, if it's an actual men's group, whether it's just, Hey, you have a, a, a couple's group that you do like a home group for church and the guys kind of get together once a month, whatever that is, go out and actually accomplish something. Go out and actually do something that's difficult. Go out and do something that is humbling to you individually as the ringleader or to all of you. Because that's where you're really going to see what your group is worth. And so this group of guys for me, this is like my best, these are my best friends, right? Like these are, these are the dudes that you want in your foxhole. I say that all the time. These are the guys when the crap hits the fan, you want to see these guys on your left and right. But you need to be one of the guys that they see in the same way. You need to develop yourself and become a man that they would be okay with if you were on their left or if you were on their right. You have to develop yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually so that you can be depended on. Because on a trip like this, it was a ton of mental and physical strain. There there was mental part as, as the prep for the trip and those types of things. But that's what you need to do. And so for a lot of you guys out there, you know, you've kind of gotten in your rut, like we've talked about, and there's just things that you're not really familiar with. And there's things that you don't really want to do. Push yourselves, guys, put yourselves out there and go out there with a group of guys and see what you can accomplish together. All right, guys, before we let you out of here, we're going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know, by now we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. Specifically, we do that by providing content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So today we're going to switch gears just a little bit because I'm thinking I'm going to do an entire podcast episode breaking this down later on, but I just want to kind of get it out there to you in case you hadn't seen it. So again, we talk about Ben Shapiro a lot on this podcast. He's a friend of the podcast. We're, we're so super thankful. He sent us an advanced copy of his book, The Right Side of History. Uh, we thought that that was great. But um, he does a podcast Monday through Friday, but he also does a Sunday special. And so he has guests on for more kind of a long form discussion. He's had some great guests on there. Joe Rogan, you know, uh, Jordan Peterson, just some really good dudes. But last week, you know, as of the recording of this, he had Ravi Zacharias on as his guest. And um, he's had William Lane Craig on there before, which is interesting when you see a Christian, basically theologian and apologist, basically sitting across from an Orthodox Jew. There's some interesting dynamics there. I really enjoyed that conversation. But this was an incredible, an incredible back and forth between Ravi and Ben Shapiro. 
And it wasn't one of those things where it got contentious or anything like that. And if you know anything about Robbie's uh, presentation style, he's obviously very accommodating with people and he's not terribly a matter of fact. But this was an hour long discussion that is well worth your time. So I provided the YouTube link for that in here and pretty much everywhere you get the Ben Shapiro podcast, you can get that on there. It's the Ben Shapiro show Sunday special episode number 60. So again, I'm thinking about doing an entire episode where I kind of break down some of the interactions between them. But regardless of if I do that or not, you guys need to take that down. Guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We really do appreciate it. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play and refer your friends to listen and share this on social media. If you use the hashtag UndauntedLife, we will be sure to find the post and give it a thumbs up. Guys, if we deserve a five-star review, that is how this podcast is going to continue to grow. The algorithms love five-star reviews, so please leave us two to three sentences letting us know why you like the podcast and leave those five stars. I'm currently booking speaking engagements for the remainder of 2019 and the beginning of 2020, so if you want me to come speak to your men's group, to your men's event, to your church, your team, just hit me up, email info at undaunted.life. Again, I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. The website is www.undaunted.life and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash undauntedlife. Check out our free devotionals on the YouVersion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is our song King of Sorrow, which is off their latest record entitled Phantom Anthem. Links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep cultivating manly resilience. Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>